0: Welcome to Kineo Stream of Thought, a monthly podcast that features informal chat from the Kineo team about all things learning. I'm Paul Westlake, Solutions Consultant at Kineo, and today we're going to speak about all things AI.
1: Pleased to say this week I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Paul Westlake, I'm a Solutions Consultant at Kineo.
2: I'm Pete Smith, Technical Team Leads at Kineo. I'm Mark Zal Sanders. I'm the CEO at Filtered. Nice to be here. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for joining us.
0: So um, I, I guess best to kick off with um, what, what do we mean by AI for people who are sort of a bit confused with it? There's obviously a lot of talk in the press about um, sort of robots killing everybody's jobs and everything being artificial intelligence, this, that and the other. So who'd like to have a bit of a stab with what we mean by AI?
2: Um, I can have a go and I'd love um, to hear your thoughts about, um, about that definition. Um, I mean, first of all, it's not very well defined. If you ask um, 10 AI experts what AI is, you'll get um you'd almost certainly get 10 different responses. Um, I think one way to think about it is um, in terms of just software that emulates human intelligence. Um and human intelligence encompasses you know computer vision language processing and in um, and cognitive abilities um, and an AI system is just well it's artificial it's synthetic so we've created it um, and and a lot of the, the progress has been in terms of um, in terms of what we what we do as human beings so thinking of it as um, in terms of human intelligence I think is um, intuitive and and helpful for for most people but at the same time it's not very well well-defined term, like I said at the, at the start. What do you think of that, guys? Uh, that,
0: that, yeah, that's all, I'll, I'll go with that. Does that mean um, machine learning
2: is part of AI or are those two terms interchangeable? Well, okay. So I'm glad that you brought machine learning up. Um, machine learning is... Um, in my, well, in my view, it's a better defined term. So here you've got um, a system which gets better with experience. So there's a, a task that is being performed over time. There's some sort of feedback loop so that the system that you've developed, again, synthetic, it's artificial, it's made by man, computerized um, uh, system that with um, training data or experience of performing a task um, uh, gets better and better. So, so for example, Alpha, um, Alpha Go, and Alpha Zero, the, the recent um, uh, output uh, from from Google and Deep um, those programs are, are not only machine learning, but they've got deep neural networks to um, to you know, play chess or play Go or Shogi better and better um, with time, without explicit programming or um, or teaching by a by a human. So, so machine learning is, is better defined. So it's something getting better with time. And artificial intelligence is a broader term that doesn't necessarily include um, machine learning.
0: So, so in that in that example of Go, though, Mark, did that. Was that having to have human input in the first place to say, here's how we would play the game and sort of show it numerous ways of doing that? And then the machine then sort of picks up on patterns and learns from that. So really, it
2: still needs the human input in the first place. Um, well you've got to lay down some ground rules, um, yes, but um, uh, in, the, in the example of, um, of, of AlphaGo um, most of the progress was made by the, the program playing itself, you know, millions and millions of times. So once that initial input from the humans, so that's sort of minimal um, uh, programming, explicit programming uh, input, you then set the the thing to, um, to, um, to play itself um, so this is called hyperlearning, where you you set all sorts of um, uh, adversarial um, interactions between. Uh, so basically, the, the, it is the, the the machine playing itself, you know, many many times, far more times than um, than you know you could even construct games for, and um, you know human games, and um, and then it's uh, then it gets it gets so good that um, in the case of Alpha Zero um, and chess, it basically solved chess in four hours. Um so I mean for, for, I used to play chess as um you know as a kid and I still play it play occasionally. Okay, well we should have a game sometime. John Yates plays it at two actually. So um so maybe we'll do that. Um but for, for people that play chess and know a little bit about some of the openings, you basically saw the output from those four hours of work as being the answer. So this opening, the the truth, the objective truth is that, you know, the Queen's Gambit declined is one of the stronger openings and the king's gambit is just terrible um and and to see you know after hundreds and uh hundreds of years of so many human beings you know playing chess and and computer um uh chess over the last 20 years which has become pretty strong um we've just been floundering now there you've got the answer and it's kind of poignant it's also a little bit painful to see that um Machines can just um, can just do that so quickly. Um, but yeah, that's what happened in the case of, um, of Chesco and Shogi when um, when DeepMind got their, um, their neural networks on it.
3: And the, the big difference now, because it's probably worth pointing out, this isn't actually particularly new, that uh, AI has been around since the 1950s. And it became unbeatable at tic-tac-toe pretty much immediately because it's a simple game with simple rules, The difference is, and the reason why it's really taken off since the the mid-90s, is just that growth of processing power and the ready availability of all of that extra data. And so something complicated like chess takes a lot more data processing power, a lot more statistical analysis to be able to crack from a machine perspective, but it is crackable. Go is, by several orders, more complicated and so it took a lot more data to actually get to a point where computers could actually start to beat Go players. But that's now happened.
1: But it's it? interesting, isn't it? Because I read an article on that, um, the, the computer that beat the, B, the uh, Go champion, and the, the team behind the AI said that if they changed the parameters of the board, for example, they wouldn't have stood a chance where the human player would have been able to adapt a lot quicker. So I think that's something interesting about AI. They're very, very, it's very, very good at doing a particular thing, but when maybe the parameters change outside of the conditions it was set up to achieve, then maybe it falls down. And I th-
0: So it's not true learning as such then, it's more learning through trial and error?
1: Well, I th- i think so, and I i mean, Mark's probably a better place than me to explain this, but as I understand it, you know, algorithms are very, very good at doing a thing, and I think a lot of the general scaremongery about AI is that there's this kind of super broad, deep intelligence that can kind of go, I'm going to learn about that now. And that's where these kind of like the fears of, you know, the Elon Musks and you know, so on come from. And I think
2: that sometimes they get a bit confused. Um let me let me jump in there. I think there's some interesting um stuff that you've raised. So tic-tac-toe, um that's really easy, right? Um so so no wonder that was one of the first um tasks that were set. And then and then quite soon after that, I think Alan Turing um wrote himself um an algorithm for um playing chess. And um, it would have been to a basic level. Interestingly, his um his first algorithm, it was never computerized, so the algorithm was just sort of um pen and paper, his um his musings. It doesn't necessarily Necessarily, an algorithm doesn't necessarily need to reside in a computer. We just often think of a bit um, in those t- those terms. Um, but yeah, you move down um, the list. There's tic-tac-toe. Then there's sort of elementary chess. And then there's connect four, um, and then um, and then sort of full-blown chess, which got to human level about 20 years ago when it beat um, when Deep Blue beat beat Kasparov. Yeah. But in all of those cases, the the main the main difference versus what's going on now is that you had explicit um, programming um, input. So what I mean by that is it's a a rules-based engine. So in any given situation... The computer knows what to do, so it looks at the legal moves. It goes down some um, some branches. So you know, if I do this and then the opponent does that, then my evaluation for um, that position is you know plus zero point seven. In a different scenario, it's minus zero point three. And then you look at all of those scenarios and you pick the number that's um, that's greatest. The point is that um, it can it will do the same thing in any given. Chess situation, it will perform the same rules, whereas um, with deep new, um, with neural networks and deep learning, um, which has come out over the last sort of um, come into its own over the last five, ten years in particular, um, you're not explicitly programming um, it; the computer's doing it itself, and that's the scary thing as well as the um, the exciting thing about what's um, uh, about what's up next. So there's a big difference between um, you know rules-based brute force programming and and computer doing it um doing it themselves as is the case with um with uh uh, alpha zero and alpha go
0: so where are we with something like um i don't know siri or or alexa i'm assuming that's still that them almost working through sort of a a, a fairly rudimental tissue these these things are clearly aren't going out and thinking for themselves yet are they mark
2: no i mean you've, you've got some um you've got some 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 intelligent tech, um, going on there. So there's, um, natural language processing, there's, um, there's voice recognition, there's speech synthesis in some of those, um, in the cases of some of those personal assistants. Um, but I think, I think I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, for most people, how much does Siri or Google assistant or Alexa help your life? Probably not that much. It probably irritates you more. Um, And I think we're at the cusp of, um, you know, those guys at Apple and Google, they're throwing loads of money into this and they're going to, you know, they're going to get better and better. And, you know, in a few years' time, um, we're going to series is going to stop being irritating. It's actually going to start being useful, um, and that's cool and that's exciting. And actually, that that is maybe sort of part of the, the five year um, five year future of um, um, of, A- of AI. But if you look at that, um, did you see the the Google Duplex demo? So uh, this the, is the, uh, the you know
0: I found it both um, um, amazingly impressive, and then very quickly I thought. Um, I've no idea how frustrating this would be if I was on the other end, and and it was really interesting because I, I I don't know if you saw, but a few days later, Google came out and said, "Oh no no, it wouldn't be exactly like that. We would say, for example, this is a Google assistant making this call." that was one thing. So I, I was it was almost felt like it was duping people, which I thought was was, yeah. was slightly awkward. The other the other one the other one that they actually used on the stage, and I was amazed they did it, and they said, um, for example. Um, have you ever tried to book a uh, doctor's appointment for your child? And I thought, oh, that's a nice example. And I thought, actually, it's never going to be able to do that. Because if you do actually try and book a doctor's appointment for your child, they would ask about what was their temperature, when was the last time they vomit, when did they do it? it, it, it they so, that's huge. And I'd be really impressed if it could handle that. But you could, see, you
3: could see that is absolutely the direction that it's heading in because you're carrying this device around. It could potentially be listening into you while you actually make all of those checks. So it could have all that information to hand. And um, I, I think that you're right, though, that immediately our response is, oh, that's, that's weird, that's not yes. ever going to work. But we're going to find it incredibly convenient. And so people are actually going to start adopting that technology. And I think we're at a point where maybe our social responses just aren't quite keeping pace with the technological changes. We've changed a lot. But if you look at, say, voice control on your phone, it's pretty good, all the voice recognition yeah. stuff. And yet we're still stuck hammering away at a, a keyboard with our thumbs to try and send uh,
0: WhatsApp messages out. You, we don't need to. You say that, though, Pete, but when you... I think, again, those voice trees or when you phone up and, you you know, it uses your voice, say yes, say yes for this, say no for that. Mm. I think quite quickly people find that almost frustrating and try and find a way to work around it. So I, I, I know when I can say yes and get it to move on. I don't need it to talk through all this stuff. So possibly impressive first time but then i think it becomes a bit annoying
2: well i think there's two things there so what you're talking about paul i think is um is voice recognition so you know you would be on the phone to your to your bank and um rather than speaking to a human agent you're you're being asked to say yes or no or you know your um your bank number or whatever and and so there's ai going on there to do the, the the voice recognition if um but what the google duplex um uh, demo um, showed us was a, a future where it's not sort of it's not just voice recognition although it is of course that it's also um, natural language processing um, so it's so understanding what you're saying and can respond to really anything that you say within that domain of you know getting a haircut mm. or booking um, a restaurant appointment and then natural language generation um, to say it back to you and that was possibly the most impressive part of the the demo you know the ums and the yeah. The, the, the the, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, Google typically being very very good at the PR, um, and I think they they overplayed their hands I think a little bit with um, with that demonstration because that bit was so was so impressive. Um, but I think the point there is and what Pete was getting at is that if you um, if you have. A bit more data, and we get a bit more comfortable with giving that data to the system, then you can. You, we might be able to relax more into having more of a natural, um, natural conversation with a, a machine in order to achieve, you know, the ends that we need to achieve, or even that personal assistant having that natural conversation with another machine, which would be the um, sort of next. Um, um, next step, so it takes humans out of the loop entirely. Yeah,
0: I can see it being used for, intre- for um, uh, logging te- technical tickets, for example, and
1: answering those obvious questions first. That's what I was just going to say. It's interesting because sometimes it works just as well when there isn't a, a person a- assigned to it. So, you know, Duolingo works, we know there's AI there, but there's no um, artifice, there's no kind of pretending to be a human. Um, involved, and the other one that um, struck me that was really impressive was um, Jill Watson at Georgia Tech. Have you heard of that one? I know the Watson. Stuff, it was yeah. like the chat, the the chat assistant was answering. I think was answering ninety with ninety seven percent accuracy. the The student queries that were coming in in lectures
2: online, obviously, it was using Watson behind the scenes. Yeah. The the night, but I thought that was. But great. it tricked the students, didn't it? They didn't know yeah. that it was, um, and that was the, the potential controversy there, um, yeah, exactly. As well, I mean, on your point, Pete, about you know people getting sort of used to it um, psychologically and emotionally. When you have a conversation about what might be in sort of four or five years, um, it always feels a little bit um, like that's uh, that's a big. A big leap um, to get over, but but the reality is that things don't you know suddenly get landed um, in five years' time. You appear in five years' time. It's gradual. It's incremental. So you know if you look at if you look at say the the mobile phone um, and the smartphone in particular, we've had it for ten years. If someone explained ten years ago the degree to which. A couple of billion people on the planet are um, addicted to and um, you know compelled to use this thing that, that sits in their in their pocket um, that they ignore each other at meals that they that they watch films um, but they're actually on their on their on their phone on these devices more than they are watching films even with other you know with other people in the room that would be shocking and I think not accepted and yet it is the case so you know, in reality it's incremental and we we um we we adapt we are an adaptive species. Um, you know, the human species. And so I think we will just gradually get even more used to it. That demo by Google was part of that process. You know, that just put that thought into, you know, millions of people's heads and it is just a little bit more acceptable than it was um, uh, before they did it.
0: And also, I would say on that, in one fell swoop, they also made everything that's existing look really dated. So my Alexa at home was suddenly became massively frustrating. I said, well, why can't you do this? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I want that now. You know, it, it, there's a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I was on, I was on a, um, a, a flight last week and um, there was Wi-Fi on the flight and the guy next to me was moaning about the speed of the Wi-Fi on the plane. <laughs> it's just <laughs> that classic, we're sitting in this metal tube in the sky and you're on your laptop and you're moaning about how fast this is because, you know, having Wi-Fi on a plane would have been like... Nobody would have thought of that years ago. I it's the ratchet effect, isn't
2: it? Yeah. We, we just gonna, we get used to
1: it. That's no right. idea We're spoiled, aren't we? We really are. I'm going to stand up very quickly for Alexa. Um, <laughs> poor, poor, um, you know
0: every time you say Alexa, it beeps uh, in. Know, Everyone at home, swears yeah, at I their phones. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, what I was going to say is um, it's brilliant for my two young kids. They use it all the time because it it's pitched in a way at their level. They can ask it questions that it's quite comfortable answering. Um, and I found my eldest the other day answering maths questions herself in a her book by cheating in a way I guess but she was asking Alexa the answers
3: yeah
2: it's just interesting it's very good at maths Alexa or arithmetic anyway um, so and, and again that's sort of if you give a um, if you give an AI a narrow scope like that arithmetic but with some voice you know recognition in there it can re- return amazing results and really useful for that um, simple use case but um, but it's when you when you sort of Start broadening it out. We're we're still a long way from um, from being able to do too much. You know, if you take coming back to the Google example and the duplex thing, you know, they buy their own admission. This is very very limited um, task. It's just ordering um, or trying to book a book a restaurant or a, or a hair, hair appointment. And um, and and also, it wasn't a live demo. You know how many times did they have to um, call up before they got that workable demo? I don't know. Maybe it was just one. I don't. I literally don't know whether whether it was um, twenty or, or one or hundred. But um, I'd love to see it working live. Um, yeah.
0: No. Agreed. I mean, a bit, bit of a segue there, Paul, because you sort of brought it back to more education than L and D. But but maybe that's a, that makes sense for us to to, to talk you know, uh, It's not all thrown together, this, You know. It's um, so, <laughs> <laughs> clearly untrue. So maybe we should do that and and look at what AI actually means for our industry and um, for L&D in particular. So it,
1: it, is, there, is there stuff already in place? What are people already using? Well, I mean, the, the I guess the big one in our industry that's kind of come up, uh, adaptive learning, um, is one of the big ones. Um, classification of, of, um, of content for curation, I guess, is another. Um, people, people Googling. Um, for for answers to questions that involves AI, doesn't it? Um, there's lots.
2: I'm already out there. But... First of all, I think that, that learning and development professionals really should be interested um, in this. Not just, but, I mean, partly because it's you know it's front page news. It's um uh, you know it's the headlines. It's a it's a big big um, issue for uh, the human species. Um, but also because it's about learning. So we have developed a system. That gets better um, at stuff over time. And that's why it's called machine learning. Um, so, you know, that we have developed a system that does that um, and, and 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 emulates effectively what we are trying to facilitate as learning and development professionals all the time. I think it's especially interesting. I mean, I'm biased because, you know, we, we, we do AI um, to, to make recommendations, but I think anyone in learning um, should, and many do, have an interest in this, which is why, you know, more um, of these conversations are, are, are happening. Um, I think it's worth saying that we are helped by the fact that, um, in terms of that, you know, the education piece, uh, we are helped by the fact that as consumers, um, we're using AI all the time. So, you know, some of those examples that you guys just gave, um, you know, using Google um, to uh, to search and Google. Pretty good with algorithms and um, an AI, an AI first company as they are branding themselves, which is um, which is smart. But it's and, and Google is um, is maybe the most popular, but it's also YouTube, um, which of course is a Google company. But there's AI going on there, Spotify. Um, so in terms of entertainment, that's a, there's a lot of um, recommendations and other algorithms and AI going on um, in our consumption of that. But then also our news and information feeds. Um, Think about how long you are on um, Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn. Um, it's a lot of a lot of time for most people. That's two, three hours a day, you know. And sometimes it's actually positively, um, it's time well spent because people are um, assimilating, getting in front, uh, getting the right information in front of them, and um, the right information is getting in front of them from all of that information that's out there because of um, algorithms and um, an AI. So, so just as consumers, that's happening, and then that bleeds into um, learning anyway because you know we are we're gathering information um, as part of our jobs every single one of us um, and, uh, and then it gets a bit more you know there are some other areas of um, l and where AI is starting to be adopted more um, explicitly um, like chatbots and um, and of course recommendations um, and I think uh, uh, someone mentioned the, the example of curation and, and tagging classification of, of learning assets that's a big part of, of what we do And and again it's a really good example of a relatively narrow task you know take a learning asset with title description whatever whatever metadata you've got needing to have a little bit more information about it like is this advanced project management or is this to do with communication skills making the appropriate tag um and then moving on so it's 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 the kind of task that ai has been built for you know you need it um you probably don't want humans doing it because it's expensive and and frankly dull, um, but this is what you know. it's one of the things that we built in our, our algorithm stack, and um, and I'm sure others will get to in due course. You know, it's a nice narrow scope, dull, and um, give it to the machines. That's um that's what they're there for.
0: Yeah, I mean, as a, as an example, so I, I, as you were talking then, I was thinking. Well, I'm not sure I've got that much stuff to actually using AI, but for example, um, as a photographer. Um, in Lightroom now we bring photos into Lightroom and they're automatically tagged and you can then do a search over your whole catalog which in my case is literally hundreds of thousands of images and say show me something where it's yellow and got a picture of a, a dog in it for example and it's amazingly accurate how it does that
1: and how quickly it does that as well almost like tagging on the fly yeah, I think it'll also help with that kind of s- the silver bullet, really, of kind of being able to show, you know, business impact of investment in LD. You know, it's all part of data science and big data, isn't it? I think if you, with the ability to track more now in learning, you know, with things like XAPI, to be able to u- maybe use machine learning to do those kind of big crunching of numbers to say this behavior, which was changed via this, has made
2: this impact in the business. I think that's also. So we should be doing
0: more of that. I think that. <clears throat> I, can
2: that be a I, th- I think that's built on. I think if you know, AI is often. Um, well, today, AI is mostly not the solution that you need. You know, it gets, it gets a lot of airtime, um, but often the solution, the best solution for a business problem will be a manual job or a semi-automated job or um, or or basic automation. And that could just be sort of rules-based. Um, you know, it might even just be in a spreadsheet. Some if functions are going to just deliver what you need. And if that's the case, then do that. There's, there's no point in engaging AI. Where AI comes into its own is when there really is a lot of Data and you're trying to do something um, with a narrow focus, but which can't be um, carried out by um, by uh, you know just uh, simple rules. So coming back to the idea of um, uh, the the example of, of tagging um, assets, in theory, I mean, if you had a relatively small. Um, uh, um pool of types of asset you could get away with pure um automation so that's just rules that you set up at the start they're going to give you what data you need for every single one of your assets but as soon as as you enter the real world um people have described things in different ways and you just got all sorts of words in there so just basically the data becomes messy um and that's where you may need ai to come in so it can um, be a little bit more flexible than a strict rules-based um uh, if this, then that system is going to deliver for you. But so I will say, but uh, in summary, two points there. One is um, AI really is not always the solution, um, but when it is, it's normally when um, when stuff has got a bit messy and um, and there's a lot of data. Let
1: sort it out, Yeah, yeah well, but I think that's that's really interesting. And I think I guess related to that is um, where I think there could be a use for AI in in learning is in kind of assessment, where normally because the constraints that we operate under, it's choose a option from A, B, C, D, or... You know, it's presented in yeah, different yeah, ways, yeah, but yeah. they're the, the constraints. You know, with AI, AI, you could say, right, there's an open input format. You write what you think is the correct answer. We'll interpret that, and then we will,
2: off the back of that, give you feedback based on what you've yeah. written. Yeah, much richer, broader yeah. pool of data. Yeah.
0: So so is that is that now, or would you say that's what's coming... Because, you I mean, let, let's challenge it a bit. So we are using some basic AI now, or just maybe a basic's an unfair word, but... Um, where, where does this go in... If we're having this conversation in five years' time, where, where would you like to see that being? I think where we are
3: at the moment is actually really well shown by the Wildfire tool yeah. because that's intelligent enough to search through a chunk of text and identify keywords, and then when you actually come to answer the question, it's not a multiple-choice question, it's a chunk of text with keywords missing
0: from it. So, so, so sorry, just, just, just taking it back a step. So, Wildfire is a tool that... Creates content. Yes, it's a,
3: an automatic content authoring tool, um, which you can feed content to, or which is or intelligent to, enough to, to go off and search whatever, maybe. exactly, yeah. and it will pull that back in, and it will turn your content into an assessment and mark the assessment for you. So that's exactly where we are at the moment. What Paul's describing is a bit further forward, and I think one of, one of the big challenges is actually getting enough information to generate meaningful questions and actually assess how well people are doing and really to use that you need to a lot of data at your fingertips which is why um, people like IBM having Watson which you can buy access to yeah. at the moment they really have cornered the market and at the moment doing that sort of AI is very expensive as a, as a result.
2: Yeah, well, I mean they've they've certainly called it the market in terms of PR, they've, they've sort of owned that space with Watson. Um that's really it's impressive. Um and, and I and I don't mean to um I mean it's it's amazing the stuff that they've done I've seen some of their, their bot stuff as well. Um uh but coming back to the example of wildfire, um, I've heard Donald Clark talk about it, and it's and that's it's a great example of using um uh intelligent software AI AI to um to go through a lot of data and because you know that that lot of data is just the, you know the corpus of um of uh of all that humanity has, has has written be that on wikipedia or you know or somewhere else um and then generate whatever you want from it and and it's combined with some pedagogy so um those that follow um donald clark's um blog posts um and if you don't you should because um, <laughs> yes. they they rock <laughs> the time. Um, but but one of the, the many rants that he has on there is um uh, is about multiple choice questions and and replacing you know that with. Um, with you know filling in the blanks, it, it's more there's more cognitive um, there's cognitively expected of you, and therefore it's more engaging and um, and will stick with you better. So that's an example of um, where you've got AI combining with with um, with a concept which is very close to home to you know learning and development people, um, pedagogy um, uh, to to give you a product which um, uh, you know could be really useful for for lots of people.
1: Uh, Just a couple of others that sprung to mind, maybe... Five years' time, don't go too far ahead. Well, it's kind of already here a little bit, but it's kind of using facial recognition to mark attendance at events or to Mm -hmm. confirm attendance at an exam is the person that is said that you are who you say you are. And I thought the other one that would be quite interesting to ponder is are the subjects that we're going to be asked to produce change because of AI, because actually the tasks Mm. that people need to learn about are now being done by AI. So some of the more kind of mundane line management type... Training that you know um, needs to be provided could in future be provided by AI. Can, can, can you
0: hold that just a second? Because I've got more of a question for uh, for Mark really, probably on the back of that. And it, this is this is me with my my concern around where it's all going. So, Mark, do we do we have any um, sort of evidence that? AI that's had human input, for want of a better word, in the first place um, learns better or quicker or, or, or is, does a better job than when we just let the machine get on with it himself. So, I'm, I'm, for example, um, I'm going to compare Spotify, who, you know, do a great job of serving up content based on other things you've listened, and I'm sure there's a lot of thinking. in it. But I'm also very aware that when Apple launched Apple Music... They made a real big thing about, yeah, sure, we've got some, something crunching the, the, the data in the background, but the really important bit is that this all be human-created and humanly tested, um, and that's why it does a far better job. Is, is, that, is that just all marketing speak from Apple, or is, is there anything anything that sort of backs that up?
2: Um, I think any sort of intelligence needs to learn from experience. So, you know, with machine learning algorithms, um, you need to feed them lots of data, but the right kind of data. Um, And that data may be um, uh, provided by, you know, human activity. So, you know, for example, one of the the early Google experiments was to identify photos um, on the web that that had cats in them. Um, and now, how are you going to test how good your machine is? Um, unless a human or some many humans have actually done that, and that's actually why that data set was used, because um, uh, because it was uh, there was pre-existing tags on Instagram or wherever it was um, that indicated there was a cat in the in the, in the photo or not. So, I'm um, coming back to whether you know having a human in the loop, as they say, is important or not. It's probably not in every case um, where you've got uh, there are some some cases. Like I and mean, we, we touched on alpha, um, alpha Go and Alpha Zero, um, but in terms of playing chess, you just didn't need to have a human involved at all. But with the slightly more bro- the slightly broader, more general um, tasks like um, like identifying you know pictures, you're going to need the more you can do there with, with humans, the better the results are going to be, um, and probably even more so with um you know, with uh, with music. That over time may change. Because the the, um, the computers are going to have more um, you know access to more more data and, and obviously become smarter and processing power and all of those things, um, but for now humans are are pretty key to um, uh, high performance of machines. Um, and the other thing, I mean, just, just going back to, um, you know, face, um, uh, facial recognition, and I, I saw an article about um, the royal wedding, which was just last weekend, and how one of the papers, probably the Daily Mail, but anyway, one of the papers um, used AI to just find all of the celebrities that were there somewhere, Um so there are some pretty, you know, pretty uh, dumb uses of um, of, uh, of AI, um, AI as well. Um, but you can see where that's. Um, I mean, that's that's potentially scary. You know, you could be anywhere, and some some system is going to know. So you know, there's the the gossip side of it, and 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 what have Daily Mail want to run that story, but there are issues then of um, you know privacy and um and what it is to to be a free roaming human being on this planet um and and of course data is on data and privacy uh, is very much on people's minds with stuff with facebook and um you know what's happening at facebook and gdpr and, and what have you so i think you know even more um, those sorts of um important personal um social philosophical considerations are, are are coming up on on our minds and when we need to think about it um more explicitly what we we personally feel comfortable with
3: and yeah absolutely and ai is great at unlocking those kind of philosophical debates and asking the kind of questions that you never would normally but thought to run into which are normally just a product of science fiction but we are actually starting to enter the the world of science fiction a bit yeah I
0: mean, sorry it's an example of that it's just, just a great example of what you're saying now I think you're saying there is one of been working with the, the guys at Rolls-Royce and talking to them about automating cars and and, and how that works and and they're, they're, they're explaining that that technology is already there but it's the philosophical questions that need answering before they can put that in place so they were saying how what do we tell this system do we tell it that you're the driver, we're here to protect you as a driver because got these safety features built in, someone's just running the road, do we drive you into a wall or do you hit the child? So how do you programme that and how does it learn that? It's, it's, and and those, those are the sort of issues we're looking at.
3: And absolutely. And also, do we sell people the moral override package? So, so do <laughs> yeah. we allow an oligarch to actually rate their safety above everyone else for a, well, a small fee?
0: I mean, it could completely off the <laughs> topic, but it's, 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 it, I love their, their, their sum-up line, which is, but think about it, if we get this right, no one will ever need car insurance again because the onus is on the car manufacturers to make sure that their cars are safe and therefore
1: don't have accidents. I, I, I think, <laughs> maybe a more mundane point, but... Um, <laughs> There, I think there are some things that you can solve by just sheer brute force com- computational power, like maybe the Go and the chess things. I think there are other things in the mix with self-driving cars that are, are, are other problems to solve yeah. other than just that AI. Um, I think like in chess, I don't think, I might be mistaken, Mark may know, but I don't think they're very good. The computer's are, um, strategy, it's move by move, but there's just such a large bank of data to draw on well, and such speed of processing. And yeah. from... but long-term strategy I don't think they're so good at but they can get around it by that kind of just sheer grunt of, of computation driving I think self-driving cars might be a, a slightly different yeah
0: thing. I mean I mean I'm mean, swear we're running a little bit long so maybe, maybe we need to tie up but I, I, my ne- my final question was going to be as a usual bit of a round table saying you know w- what are your hopes for beyond the five years then so where, where do you think AI is going to change not necessarily L&D, but if we could tie it back to L&D, that'd be great. But where, where do you see that being in maybe the next 10 or 15 years' time? And I'll, I'll start with a bit of a concern. And my concern is that I want, I want all of the good things that AI brings... But I don't want any of the things that I'm worried about. So, for example, <laughs> I don't want to have to say Alexa before I say everything. I want it to be listening, but then I don't want it to be listening to some of the conversations I'm having. Yeah. So, I have no idea how that works. Yeah, before you, work you want to have your go. cake and eat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I agree from now on, you're marry Ann. <laughs> um, oh, that's a good one. Um, I think really smart use of it. I think you can see it being used really well in the classrooms. I think you could be, be, in, be in it being everywhere so that it's kind of you're analysing what you're doing and then providing learning at the point of need based on the context of what you're doing. Um, that, that, I think, could be really, really useful. Um,
0: yeah, what going, sort of offer, offering help based yeah. on something Is looking at you struggling with. You, you remember the paper clip? <laughs> Not that.
1: <laughs> um, I, I changed it very
0: quickly to the dog. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, th- I think that could be really, really interesting. Um, I think, for me, uh, going back to that, the, the big data, the analysing how learning can, can really be... Be used to make a difference for businesses or for the individual I think for me it's really
0: interesting Pete and then we'll leave the last word to Mark
3: um, I'm, I'm seeing nothing but uh, fear and terror in the future actually <laughs> as, a, as a result of all this so actually picking up on uh, Paul's point about um, optimising people's performance in business there's a whole question about what sort of jobs people will have um, there's also the, the intrusion of technology into business so already Amazon employees are tracked every single second of the day um, you could see a future where we're tracked So every single phone conversation that you have is monitored, assessed for how effective you were in that, and then you could have um, training interventions pushed at you based on how you did in that particular instance, and you will instantly find out how to do customer service a bit better. So all of these things, I think, are quite likely to come in with AI, and I think we need to have a, a proper debate about... What it is to be human, what we are still better at than machines, and where we actually fit into that future
1: world of uh, employability. I th- I think that's all true, and I think it's a, a part of a bigger challenge that as society we've got to overcome. So, for example, um, that the high street disappearing, for example, yeah. that that's been all been driven by technology. But we're, um, still, we're
0: still riding the crest of the cool wave at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, it, but it's new stuff, and isn't it's
1: great? And oh, I've got things talking back to me. But that's not necessarily got much to do with AI, but it's a technology-driven problem that as a society we're going to probably have a big impact on the way we interact and live our lives, so I think it's a valid
3: point. I think autonomous cars are a good description of which way we're going in. So at the moment, uh, people like IBM are very keen to talk about Um, augmented intelligence instead of artificial intelligence so the idea is the technology it's actually uh, less scary exactly yeah it's giving you (laughs) superpowers at the moment if you've got a modern car it can do some extra braking for you it can warn you about blind spots Um, it can navigate for you um, and it can do a bit of driving in traffic and it can park which is all great stuff but you can see that um, already you've got autonomous cars on the roads which can drive themselves the one makes you better. The other one um, sheds millions of jobs worldwide. And that's
0: what we're facing. So, so Mark, Mark shall we, um, we need, to, need to wrap up. We're, we're going to hand the last word to you. So where, where do you see, based on what you know now, where do you see AI taking us in the next 15 years or so?
2: 15 years. Well, wow. we go to 10. 10? It doesn't make that much difference <laughs> no. um, uh, to, to, to my answer. If you think about AI as a powerful technology, um, and technology is just there to make our lives um, better, easier. You know, from when we were, technology once upon a time was, you know, a knife. Um, uh, then, uh, you know, you go through the phone and um, computers, and, um, and now you've got AI to make our lives um, better. And you can see it happening already um that it is taking away some of the more mundane um tasks like you know we were talking earlier about in you know, tagging in um in, in curation so our lives should become more interesting in theory because we are doing more of the more human um tasks and more of the dull tasks are being taken up by um uh by by ai and as ai gets um more advanced it will um it will be able to take on even even more of that sort of responsibility so if you think about ai as being in the intelligence there imagine that it sort of sits with you and it's it's kind of like your 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 mom your wife your best friend your shaman whoever you go to for advice um is kind of constantly there as a mentor to make recommendations sure but give um to, to steer you away you know away from um uh, mistakes um, and enhance you so that you can be the best, um, you, know, best you that you can be. I think that's um, I think that's a direction that we are headed in, and, and you can actually see that. You know, Google, Apple, um, those guys are headed. In that direction, they will be achieving that sort of thing for humanity, um, usefully in the next um 10 years, um, as you say, and that will uh, and that'll that'll make our, our lives better as, as technology has always been designed, um, to do. We've got to keep some ethical um, issues in mind, but you know, the likes of Google are, are doing a good job of that. I, I'm not quite as worried as um, That's as famous. some of you guys are about <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. <laughs>
0: So thanks again for your time mark. but um, I don't know if you wanted to have a quick plug for the um, the Slack group where people can pick up with you guys about AI.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. I will then. Um, so yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, we start. We started a Slack um, group a, a few months ago. And it's just for the L and D community to share ideas. Um, uh, four o'clock, uh, four p.m. GMT on on um, on Tuesdays. Uh, we have a live session for an hour, but it's really not our session. It's just whoever wants to go on and talk with each other and, and share ideas, share links, um, discuss. Um, there's uh, about a thousand people that have signed up um, so far. So. You know, we can. Do, there's an AI channel there. There are, there's a There's curation channel. There's. Um, and you can create channels yourself. So Slack is just. You know, really slick, robust. Um, a good way of sharing information, better than LinkedIn. Um, I, I think for you know a closed community like that. So. Um, so please, anyone, feel free to join. Um, Tuesdays at four or um, or outside of that. Lovely. Thanks for your time again, Mark. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, all all
0: guys. Bye. Now.